keen to meet. I mean, that's the that's the reality of it. Yeah. Um, even and though it's still... people from different industries as well. I think I met someone in construction. Um, I'm talking about hiring and construction, which is fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. Good thing that those sort of um, customers that they deal with have just the industry agnosticism. Yeah. So, so it's everywhere. Um, anyway, uh, we're live, everybody. Uh, we're live. It's Brain Food Live on Air, episode 182, bringing it to you every Friday, no fail. And today, I'm very, very excited to be having this conversation um, because this is a topic that I personally feel I've done um, not enough um, to support on. Um, and it's been an education for me whenever I do kind of uh, speak to people um, that have been through the system. Um, because it does teach us so so much about how difficult it is um, that we've made it for people to reintegrate back into uh, into society. So this is going to be a really interesting show. I guarantee you, you're going to uh, learn something, um, and I think you'd be inspired by it as well. So um, pleased that you're joining us uh, here today. Um, let's do a few quick sound checks before we go any further. I forgot to do that last time, and I wasn't even sure whether people could hear me or not. Um, but if you can hear me okay on uh, Crowdcast, please let me know. Um, oh, there's Bettina. Nice to see you, Bettina. I was with, uh, on a web, webinar with Bettina a couple of days ago. Anyway, can you hear me on Crowdcast? Let me know. Uh, put, me, put it in the chat there. Uh, we should be uh, live streaming this on my LinkedIn page. Um, so if you can hear me or are you watching this on LinkedIn, do let me know there as well. Um, if you can hear me okay, just say uh, so in the comments. And we should be broadcasting this also on Twitter and on Facebook as well. Um, so a couple of people can hear me okay, including Chance, who will be coming on shortly. Um, and yeah, so it seems that we're ready to go. Um, Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for doing this again with me. Um, Christine, I think everyone knows who you are by now, but maybe you want to introduce yourself real quick to whoever uh, it is uh, that's paying attention. Sure. Yeah. Always happy to come on, Hung. You know, my Friday is always a bit more chilled. Uh, but hi, everyone. Those who don't know me, so Christine, I'm the head of talent at Quantum Motion. It's a hardware quantum computing startup. Um, yeah, super, super busy right now. Uh, a bit of a bit of everything. The pre-Christmas rush, I think. Everyone's just Indeed. trying to get it done. Which is why I really appreciate you stepping out to two hour, two hour, an hour out of your day to help me out today. So um, today, though. Also, I'm looking forward to learning um, from, from the speakers. It's not something I haven't really touched upon before either. Yeah, so we'll introduce that topic in yeah. very shortly. Um, however, before we go further, we always need to take a moment to thank our sponsors um, because we can't do Brain Food Live without a sort of support from the companies that care about uh, conversations, care about sort of the health of the community. Uh, and I'm delighted to say um, one of my favorite companies this year um, uh, is, uh, is sponsoring today's show, uh, metaview.ai. And here's mm -hmm. a surprise for you. Um, because MetaView CEO, uh, Sayo Majos, is actually online and he's going to come on and have a word with us. Um, so let's hope he's got his swag on um, and he's going to uh, uh, say hello to us. Um, let's just bring Sayo on, which I hope I've got his name right. I've known him for ages, but I, st I still sort of struggle sometimes with Irish names. But um, there he is. Um, and there he is. There he is. Looking looking glorious, uh, Sayo. Good to see you. Thank you. Can you hear me loud and clear? Yep, it sounds perfect, man. Sounds perfect. Um, Great. So, Sile, listen, wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you so much for sponsoring Brain Food Live. Um, I want to sort of just invite you on to say a few words to the to the crowd there and also to introduce who you are, who the business is, what it does, and why people should care. 
Awesome. Thanks so much for, for having me on. So yeah. Hey folks, uh, I'm Sile, as Hung mentioned, one of the co-founders and the CEO at uh, MetaView. Really thrilled to be sponsoring this episode. Uh, been a big fan of the community for a while and actually a uh, sometime contributor as well. So uh, yeah, big fan of the community. Um, MetaView is a leading interview intelligence platform focused on increasing quality and reducing bias in interviews. So as we all know, quality really is the key to hiring, especially at the moment where uh, every conversation I'm having with, with talent leaders and recruiters across the board is it's all about quality over quantity at the moment. Um, we do this by recording and transcribing interviews seamlessly. So we then provide you with powerful insights and, and tools for recruiters, for hiring managers, for interviewers to level up this really crucial part of the process, which is the interviews. Um, the product integrates seamlessly with your existing stack. So there's no need to sort of swap out your ATS or change your video conference provider. Uh, implementation literally takes a few minutes uh, and you can go from a world where all you have after an interview are sort of the frantically written notes of your interviewers and maybe their sort of hazy memories to a world where you and the hiring team have full visibility into these crucial conversations in just a, just a few moments. So uh, all of this leads to fairer interviews and, and most importantly, better decisions about who to bring into the company. Uh, last thing, and then I'll, I'll get out of the way, I promise. Uh, so we work with high performance forward thinking companies like Brex, Plio, AngelList, Shopify, and, and a bunch more. 90% satisfaction among users, uh, five stars on G2. And most excitingly, we've uh, just launched a free tier. So really perfect for those folks who've been thinking about the interview intelligence category and maybe now really want to dip their toe because of that, that quality buyer. So yeah, head over to metaview.ai to learn more. You can get started right away. Uh, or if you want to have a chat with me or a member of the team, you can email me at sm at metaview.ai. So that's the letter S, the letter M, metaview.ai. Um, always excited to meet folks in the community. So yeah, let me know. And thanks so much again for the opportunity to, to sponsor. No worries. Thank you so much, Sile. Um, great uh, to have that overview and fantastic to see a free tier as well. So no excuse, folks. You've got a chance just to use this um, and trial it and check it out. Zoom friendly if you're using Zoom to do interviews and friendly with any ATS as well. So it's not one of these where you have to swap stuff out and swap stuff in. You can just plug it in to what you're already doing. Um, so this is going to enhance your ability to learn from what's actually going on in these interviews. Um, fascinating stuff. It's a great category. I love it. I think it's going to be a mandatory thing for a lot of companies in, in the coming uh, couple of years. So you might as well get in now, folks. Uh, Sal, wonderful to have you on the show. Um, I'll be seeing you, I think, for lunch in a, in a couple of weeks or so. So, um, And I'll be in touch before then in any case. Uh, but uh, you have a very good uh, afternoon, sir. Awesome. Thanks so much, folks. Have a, have a good conversation. Thank you. He's a very nice guy, and it's a really interesting category of product. Um, I've been kind of like a big believer in this uh, this space for a, a long while, uh, at least yeah. since I've kind of encountered it. Um, because it is true to say when you have a Zoom interview or whatever, or, or your hiring manager has an interview, like there's no intelligence out of that, that, that very important conversation. Whereas here, yeah. they'll be able to tell you stuff like, oh, who is doing the, most of the speaking, you know, yeah. how many times did the, did the candidate get interrupted? Um, yeah. uh, you know, why is this hiring manager doing shorter interviews with this type of person than the other type of person? All that hidden bias can, can emerge from stuff like this. So at scale, yeah. I think it's something. Yeah, and I think you always assume the hiring manager knows it all, right? So when you just look at the metrics, that actually you're wondering why no one's going through the next stage. Actually, it turns out the hiring manager needs training. 
Yeah, well, this is it. We don't know. I mean, we, yeah. we, we, we unless we're sitting in at every interview, which is totally yeah. unrealistic, um, yeah. uh, then you need to have some tool to do this. And I think the way to pitch to hiring managers is actually to say it's a training personal development tool for hiring managers. Yeah. Um, and you could even say sort of to people who want to step up into management, say, hey, listen, you've got to you know, be a good interviewer to, do, to, to step up into that role. Here's a tool that's going to help you get better, and then everyone's 100%. going to sign up. To so, and even we'll then, experienced hiring managers like they continuously need to undergo training, like you said. You know, maybe they're expert interviewers for the last ten years, but now you got to think about unconscious bias and different ways of asking questions, active listening. Like, it's always good to have refreshers anyway. That's um, a very good point. That the nature of interviews are changing, um, yeah. and you can't just say, a good interview ten years ago may not be a good interview today. Um, yeah. so yeah, keeping an eye on things is definitely something you should check out. Metaview.ai folks, make sure you, uh, I didn't realize they had a free tier, but, uh, but yeah, go for yeah. your life. Uh, right. Let's get our guests on, uh, today, by the way, before I bring James and, and Chance on, by the way, let's just, uh, have you, uh, chat you and I on this, um, hiring the formerly institutionalized was the title of this show. So in other words, people who have been, uh, gone in through the prison system, who've gone through mental health sectioning or whatever it might be, basically being held in a, a, a place um, uh, often involuntarily and not their choice um, and how they then interact with sort of the, the wider world when uh, they emerge from, from that situation. I recall once um, interviewing a candidate who hid the fact that he had been in, in jail um mm. there was gaps in cv we, we uncovered that and we had the conversation say okay this is way back 20 years ago and i understood yeah. why he hid it um because yeah. he would have been a flat out veto uh, on that mm. on that score and i remember having a conversation with my boss at the time about this candidate and actually the boss vetoed him um just said look too high risk no point and i thought okay fine um, and that, well i just had a chat with him um you, so i got you, him in for an interview well, yeah, yeah decent guy yeah um and but there was some gaps in 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 the in, yeah. in, in, in in the interview that he just left blank and i spotted those and i had a chat with him about it um and they said yeah listen i think you went in for some white collar crime or something um but uh but yeah that basically stopped him from getting that job not even stopped him from getting the job something getting further so it's disaster yeah. um okay listen the reason why i've actually i've actually got to get us get 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 the door give me a sec let me get james and chance on and yeah, we we'll, we'll carry this on bring them on the intro james, boom right chance let's do it boom let's do that i'll be back yeah get your door uh, so we're bringing on James and Chance, who are both with Bridge of Hope um, and both have extensive experience and will be sharing um, yes, their, their, their stories with us. So we're looking forward to it. Welcome, Chance. How are you? Hi. Hi, guys. Hi. Looking very sunny where you are. Are you in London? I am indeed in London. I'm in sunny Deptford. <laughs> I love Deptford, one of my favorite parts of town. Great Vietnamese food. Um, and James as well. Hi, James. How are you? Hi, how are you, Christine? Not too bad. And where are you based? Uh, near Cambridge. Oh, near Cambridge. Also sunny. <laughs> well, well, really great to have both of you on today. And I think um, Hong's given me a bit of insight. I believe you met an event a while back. Was it a great event? <laughs> uh, yes. Um, Hung was actually um, hosting an event. Um, and uh, we, we actually weren't talking at it. Um, and the keynote speaker fell out with about an hour and a half to go. And they're like, Can you guys jump up. And we, we've done a few, we've done a few keynotes for the, uh, it was the IHR live guys. And yeah, 
yeah sure no problem you had something <laughs> ready at least it wasn't yeah. a ad-libbing type scenario yeah well we're, we're kind of used to winging it anyway so amazing amazing yeah i mean I, sometimes i think the best most spontaneous talks are the ones that you least like prep for anyway so um well welcome so should we get started i suppose james chance um if you start with you james like tell us a little bit more about you and, and your journey and, and i suppose how, how you got started with bridge of hope okay no problem yeah i'll um i'll try and keep this relatively short so um i was born white male and exceptionally privileged um and i had an idyllic childhood and then age 13 I was sent to the world's most famous boarding school. Uh, yeah, that one. Um, so I was in the same class uh, and gambling ring as a boy called Cameron, who went on to run the country. Um, and I was in um, um, about two years below this great big boy with white hair uh, who went by the name of Boris, who went on to run the country into the ground. So you kind of get the level of privilege that I had. Um, and then I went into the corporate world uh, and I was in the drinks industry. Um, and this time, 2008, I was running most of the biggest customers in North America for Diageo, the biggest drinks company in the world. I was happily married. I had three kids living in a large mansion with a swimming pool. Uh, you know, what could possibly go wrong? Um, and well, pretty much everything, really. Um, so I got laid off uh, in the Great Depression. Uh, and then anything that really could go wrong did on a cataclysmic basis. Uh, and I, you know, as an entrepreneur, I got sued. I got swindled, sued again, swindled again. And I was late, made redundant four times and all in the space of six years. Um, so it was all a bit uh, rubbish um, and ended up with basically all my savings gone. Uh, and I, I had this day um, where I had to go and get the, the food for my family. Um, and I had a family of you know, five of us and all the, all the credit cards had gone. Uh, you know, they, were, they were maxed out. Uh, and the only money I could cobble together was $5.41. Um, and so I had to make this decision. Do I get a loaf of bread and some Nutella uh, or do I get a box of cereal um, and some milk? Um, and I'm sure everybody appreciates, you know, we're hardwired to fill, uh, feed your children. And I wasn't able to. Um, and that's when my wiring came undone. Uh, and for the next two or three weeks, I was unable to basically operate effectively. Um, and so um, I was sectioned. Um, I was sectioned for the foreseeable future. Certainly the most scary sentence I've ever heard in my life. Uh, I thought that meant life. Um, and that was just outside New York, uh, and it was pretty hideous. Um, I don't know anybody if you have been sectioned or not, but um, it's actually not hugely dissimilar to being in a hospital. Um, but there are three kind of fundamental differences. First of all, the front door, uh, you ain't getting out of it. Uh, secondly, um, there are no curtains. Um, took me a while to work out why. And thirdly, the windows are pretty thick and um, I also found out why when somebody tried to throw themselves out of the seventh floor window in front of me. Um, so I came back from there to the UK. It was decided to come back to, um, to, to recover. Uh, and, uh, and unfortunately, um, everything completely unraveled. So within a few weeks, uh, my marriage went, my kids went, my, my home went, my job went, my career went. It all just fell like a stack of cards. Um, and my consolation prize was a diagnosis of bipolar. Um, and so um, I had to get a job um, and I wasn't a, uh, my doctor said you can't get a job that involves any kind of thinking. So I tried to get a manual job at, um, or working in a pub or a coffee shop and nobody would give me one. Um, and, and having been white male and very privileged, I'd never experienced anything called a barrier to employment myself that happened to other people. Uh, and suddenly nobody would touch me with a 12 foot barge pole. Um, so I ended up as a janitor in a frozen food factory at minus 55 for a year, um, clawed my way back into the drinks industry. Uh, and then I was made redundant uh, for the final time. So that was 2018. Uh, and that's when I had an epiphany moment. Uh, and it was like, okay, you know, do you want to carry on flogging legal drugs, mate, or do something more meaningful? Uh, and I decided I wanted to try and help other people 
with barriers to employment. And I'll tell you a little bit more about the Bridge of Hope in a moment. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, yeah, sorry. I guess so was resilience as well all throughout the process. Um, no, thanks for sharing. No problem. Uh, over to you, Chance. Should we give some insight in terms of your background? Yeah, sure. Um, so um, I'm the reason why I'm incredibly passionate about working in this space um, is because um, of, is because of my background. I was born into a family where my dad didn't think I was his, and as a result of that, I experienced quite a lot of physical abuse. The first being before I was one year old, um, which left me with what I thought were birthmarks until I was twenty one, and Mum told me what really happened. So I didn't feel significant. At home, I ran away a few times and finally stayed. And I met some friends and they made me feel significant and loved. But the byproduct of that was they were from the antisocial membership. And it was only going to be a matter of time before I got into trouble. And I did. So by the time I was 16, I ended up in prison. And by the time I was 18, my sister took me to a mental hospital because the depression and the childhood trauma had taken its toll. And so I went on trying to make some changes not to much success at all and then fast forward my sister who was my rock she died she died of cancer and I didn't want to talk about it because then that would make it real um, which is the worst possible thing you could do because uh, within a year my life unraveled and I ended up back inside one last time um, and I asked myself this question this time I said do you like who you are and the answer was worse than no I just thought if this was going to be my life, this was going to be my existence, I didn't see the point in having one. I really didn't. And I just con seriously considered ending it all. I considered suicide. And um, so I was left with these choices to either not live or change. And so I threw everything and the kitchen sink and the neighbor's kitchen sink at change. And I spent three years and 10 months in therapy almost every day to unlock some pain and to deal with those childhood traumas while spending five years studying with the Open University to give myself an education my childhood didn't afford to me and done swathes of personal development programs. Then this beautiful, wonderful day came upon me where I was just filled with ebullience and the warm, warm tears of joy just came flooding down my face. And it was because for the first time, in my entire life, I felt freedom. No more emotional discombobulation, no more um, anger. I was filled with forgiveness and, and topped to the brim with self-respect. And I realized two things had happened after all that personal development. One, my childhood experiences were no longer going to define my future. And two, I'd finally become the person I was always meant to be. And so that was the day I decided whatever work I'm doing, whatever space I'm operating in, I want it to be nourishing lives, nourishing communities, supporting people who have had similar childhood experiences, my own, and, and, and supporting anyone who's was impacted by the system and how it works. And so I was uh, introduced to uh, James Fellows, the founder of Bridge of Hope, through a couple of charities who were supporting me, who I now support in return through Bridge of Hope um, in the work that we do. And so all roads brought me to um, meeting up with James. And then he invited me to come over onto Bridge of Hope and have a look and see what it was about. And I did. And I thought this is absolutely fantastic that there's this bridge where candidates who are system impacted could go across towards employers who are looking for them. 
I thought this was fantastic. So for, for me, this was like an invitation to heaven because I was supporting very successfully young men who'd come into contact with the criminal justice system. But now I could support veterans, people with neurodiversities, people mm -hmm. with different abilities, you know, women returners, the whole lot. So this yeah. was like heaven for me. And so I'm here and I'm extremely passionate in the work that we do in changing lives through inclusive employment. Amazing. I just want to tell you, I'm like nodding. I'm just so like, I can really feel it. But I think also a good opportunity to say, you know, everyone in the chat's just saying thanks for sharing um, incredible vulnerability from both of you. Also important, it's November, um, Movember, mental health. And I think it's also really crucial, like both of you as a, as a male are also sharing some of the biggest challenges that you face. So hopefully that's also a good learning experience for everyone as well. So yeah, Christy, thank, thanks for sharing that. Um, Hogan, welcome back as well, by the way. Yeah, um, listen, I hate taking a break like that, but I actually bought this present for my nephew. And uh, it's, it's like, it's this massive dinosaur basically. And um, if, if it wasn't delivered, it, I'd have to go get it from someplace else. So, so I had to go grab it. Um, anyway, you better like it. Uh, right, so I've a, <laughs> Firstly, guys, I mean, obviously, you, yeah. we, we know each other, and, and I, I always appreciate hearing um, your journeys, uh, uh, stories. Um, but hearing you say this again just reminded me of a few things I want to get right, because I, I don't think I – there's so much I've got to learn. First thing is the terminology. Um, I, I do wonder whether my use of terminology is not correct, um, and I, I want to be educated on that if that's the case. Um, like, for instance, Chance, you mentioned the term system impacted individuals just now. And I just thought, wow, that's actually a really accurate term um, to describe individuals that have just collided with the system in some fashion and have been kind of processed by the system. Uh, and, you know, oftentimes just spat back out with you know, no other support beyond that. Um, so, so I think that's. So I've been using the term formally institutionalized. I mean, is that a wrong term to use, would you say, in that context? Is that offensive? Is it bad? What are your thoughts on, on my use of that language? Well, I think formally institutionalized is just a, price, a precise way of, of saying, saying something like this, you know. Um, however, the reason for my use of the word system impacted, and I wouldn't take credit for it because it's come from a friend of mine, Susan Leisure Ferraro from over in America, um, and the reasoning behind it is quite simple. Marginalized tends to give it a, this tone as if it's the, the person's fault, mm. whereas in fact they're impacted by a system. And so they are system impacted. It's not their fault. And so we should think about our terminology in, in linguistics. Um, does, it, does it allot a certain amount of blame onto someone else, you know, undeservedly? And so... Um, hence why I use the word, you know, as opposed to, you know, prior convictions, which is fine. I will, I will always say returning citizens from prison, you know, um, because it's how you actually view someone, how you think about someone. This is a citizen returning back from prison. And if you've heard, you know, my life, my background, you know, going to prison um, was inevitable. All the barriers I faced anyway as a young man, um, you know, opportunities just weren't there for me. Um growing up you know um there weren't any great mentors in my community there was it was very poor area and stuff like this so all the system and the lack of opportunity the system um caused you know we were all up against it and sometimes the choice for many is to either you know commit crime or, or be a vagrant or be 
or, or find yourself like in my position, needing to feel loved, needed to feel connectivity with, with people. Um, but the only option there in front of you on your doorstep is the antisocial membership. You find yourself immersed in that, knowing full well this is not really what you want to be, but feel as though that's all you've got in terms of a source for love and care. And, you know, just, just dipping back into that, we from the pro-social membership, we're really terrible at, at recruiting from the anti-social membership. But the anti-social membership, they're incredible at recruiting from the pro-social membership. Why we have county lines and young men being taken off up the countryside to sell drugs and this type of thing, mm -hmm. you know, but we do not go back and get our soldiers back. We leave them there. So what happens is that membership will grow and grow and grow and we will complain about it more and more and more. What we need to do is go back and get back our young men, bring them back from that antisocial membership in the same way that I managed to get across and actually give them a pathway. And I sit young men down in a group when I'm mentoring them and I ask them the question, what's your dream job? Not one of them said drug dealer. Mm. We know that's not what they want to do. We've heard shoe designers, actors, people wanting to be electricians and all jeweler one guy wanted to be. They don't want to do this. This is just the only doors that are open for them to express their entrepreneurial spirit. Mm. And so we need to open the doors of the pro-social world and invite them in. And believe me when I tell you their values will shift their network will change and opportunities will mm -hmm. grow in their life and therefore change their life and inspire their children. Uh, Chance, you, you just said something and you've used a couple of concepts there, which I think I understand, but I want to reiterate them in case I have, in case my understanding isn't precise. Um, so when you're referring to anti-social membership, you're talking about, let's say, criminal gangs, people who are uh, operating outside of the rules of the law. Um, yeah. uh, that's kind of a, a, a description of that group. Pro-social would be people who are working within society, within the system of rules um, and yeah. within the system of law. Um, very interesting point you mentioned was that one was better at recruiting from, from the other than the other way around. Do, do it's you have all a, about recruiting, right? Do you have a theory why that is? Like, why is it, why is it, that people who are in gangs, for instance, find it more easy to pluck somebody out um, from the pro-social world, so to speak, to join their community than it is for the other way around. Why is that seemingly a one-way journey in, in your... Uh, do you have a theory for this, um, Chance? Look, a lot of the time, a lot of the time, if people feel disenfranchised in any way or form, they're left there for the picking, you know, and so they will lean towards who's ready to have them. If they don't feel as though they're accepted in this area, if they feel as though they're an imposter mm. by going towards this particular space, that just leaves them open for all the other spaces. Um, and, and so that's what it's about. It's, it's about actually um, finding um, in the same way that we find untapped talent on, on Bridge of Hope. It's about actually providing a space for these, for these people to say, actually, do you know what? I am wanted here. Um, I am needed, I will be valued, and so forth. And what the gangs are picking up on is people lacking in a sense of significance like I did, um, lacking in value, and, and also feeling lost and rejected from actually trying to get jobs, doing their CVs, doing all this stuff, and being knocked back so many times they give up. And that's one of the reasons why we actually... Um, really got behind the old idea of our sourcing license on Bridge of Hope where we can go into a database, for instance. Um, we have uh, 79,000 
diverse candidates from across the board, from returning citizens all the way through to women returners. And you can go into a database, tap someone on the shoulder and invite them in for an interview. And what this does for them is it reduces all the barriers that they face because they cannot get in from that side. They struggle to get in from that side. And we've provided an opportunity where you can go in and you can pick candidates from various talent pools, whether you wanted someone with um, a neurodivergent, people with different abilities um, and so forth, you know, or veterans or, or, or returning citizens from prison. You can go in and tap someone on the show and say, come on, we want to give you a chance and let your curiosity lead the way when you see a gap on a CV. Sometimes it's because, like myself, I have uh, my mum uh, who's got dementia now. I, I, I know my some of my friends. They have to take time out to to to, to be a carer, mm -hmm. and no one knows this because the algorithm doesn't tell people this is what's been going on. It would just reject them for that gap. It's about actually being curious about that. And in regards to the chap that got sent, you know, got rejected, got vetoed. What you was talking about earlier, Lee. You know, it's almost as if one's sending him back to his old options there you go and then we wonder why crime isn't being reduced you know it's about this guy said look save me and um someone said no Ch chance i was the guy that said no because uh, i had to deliver the message um and uh, and i felt very very i felt very very clearly at that moment i was shutting the door on him um exactly that Go ahead, uh, James. Yeah, I chip in, uh, it's not all doom and gloom, though, because there are some uh, organizations that are doing a phenomenal job on this space. And uh, two, I think it's probably worth just talking about. Uh, one of which you'll be no surprise is, is Timson, um, who are Timson's, the pioneers yeah. around this. And um, when I when I kicked off with Bridget Hope, I was trying to work out kind of what was going on. I was also um, trying to see who was doing a, a particularly good job of it. And kind of all roads kind of led to, to Timson. And I was lucky enough to talk to James Timson and he told me about how they, he came to sort of set it up, which initially was somewhat fortuitous, um, but had proven to be a really successful model. And, and he said, look, you know, to understand it, you've got to go and see it in real life. So uh, I went actually down to the prison uh, where they have one of their academies in Kent. Um, and it was remarkable what they were doing. And they were tr teaching uh, basically, uh, you know, cobbling skills uh, in, in this prison. Uh, and it was a very hot day. It was about 93 degrees, but everybody was in their shirt and tie looking immaculate. Um, and they were totally focused. Uh, and I said, so what happens when they complete the course? And the answer was, well, if they complete the course, they're going to be offered a job at their local Timpsons, um, assuming that there's a position or an opportunity. But most of the time there is. Um, so I said, well, that's brilliant. And then I was, you know, kind of thought, well, I'm bound to be asked a question. So I better ask it myself about the whole trust thing. Um, and I said, well, how do you handle that? And they said, well, it's very simple. On their first day in that Timpsons in Kent or wherever it is, um, at the end of the day, uh, they're given the takings and told, you know, can you pop down to Lloyd's Bank and put it into the bank? Mm -hmm. um, and some of them look at it and go, you do know I was an armed robber or I did do a white collar fraud. And the answer is, hurry up. Um, the <laughs> bank is closing in 20 minutes and nobody has taken the takings. So, you know, giving that level of trust um, has, you know, basically just been uh, thanked in, in spades. Um, so, you know, that's that's one example. The other one is a. a Probably. James, before before we go into the second example, just yeah. want to explain that sort of what Timpsons is for the people who might not know. Um, Timpsons okay. are basically a cobbler and they, they you know key maker and stuff like that. If you're gonna get your shoes polished or your keys cut, or whatever, it will be that shop. Um, and there's concessions everywhere you can see in the UK. Um, and you will 
you might notice actually some of the people who work behind and, and do that cobbling um they they will look different from the people that you you might have encountered they'll have a lot of tattoos for instance um they'll have that kind of thing going on um and that is because uh timson have a rule don't they where it's it, something like 10 percent of their employee population if they've made a, a strategic commitment to say 10 percent of their employee workforce their, their, their employee population has to become from the system impacted or returnee citizens from prison um, and that's their, their commitment to basically try and get people uh, to return back and, and give them that opportunity. So I think the exemplar uh, 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 so for, for, for doing this type of work, at least in the UK. Um, go ahead, J James, with a second example. Yeah, no. So they found, actually found it a competitive advantage. People go to Timpsons to get their shoes repaired because they support people coming out of prison. So it has worked wow. uh, the whole yeah. way around. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's, an, there's another one, which is even more... Uh, extreme really from a point of view of why it makes business sense to do this rather than just the right thing to do uh, and it, it's an organization called recycling lives um, and they're a recycling company uh, near liverpool northwest england um, and i went to meet them and tried to understand what was happening here and they recycle tvs and fridges so nothing very glamorous um, and so it turns out what they do is they basically help people and this was more homeless rather than uh, ex-offenders um, and they in the area they pick them up and said look if you, if you want to a chance we'll give you uh, we'll, we'll we'll put you get you back on your feet um and um we'll, we'll give you a, another chance at life and they put them through a sort of a program on that and then at the end of it they give them a job um and so i was talking to the ceo about this and i said this is absolutely brilliant uh you know what are the biggest benefits uh, and he said well there's three benefits um you know well there are a number but the three biggest ones are the third the, uh, the third in in ascending order uh, productivity goes through the roof so because they work way harder than our original employees and then the employees themselves around them have to raise their game because they don't want to be shown up. He said, so we've just seen this exponential increase in productivity. And I'm like, well, that's pretty impressive. What was the second one? He goes, um, we don't have a word for retention. Uh, people mm -hmm. don't our organization. This acts like a glue uh, because of the fact we're helping all these people get back on their feet, giving them another chance. They never leave ever. And then nobody else leaves either. So where all the other businesses are struggling to keep people, we have no issues. Um, and I'm like, wow. And <laughs> there was a, a third. And the answer was, yeah, there is. And he said, I'm a bit embarrassed to say it, but this is the reality. We never lose a pitch. <laughs> and I said, OK, now you've got me. How does that work? <laughs> and he says, well, it's simple. You know, the, the pitch is for recycling. Uh, you know, if you're going to do Birmingham recycling or whatever, it'll be sealed bids and the other people will say, you know, it's going to be X pounds for a thousand tons. And somebody will say, we'll do 95%. Somebody will do 92%. And they would just say, hey, you do a thousand tons. We'll put one homeless person into work. You do 5,000 tons. We'll put 10 homeless people into work. And we win every time. <laughs> and we're more expensive. Um, so this is, for me, is like, wow. Um, not only is this a really smart thing to do and the right thing to do, you're changing lives and changing the lives of the families. But actually, it's a phenomenally smart thing to do from a business point of view. And it's not just ex-offenders, not just homeless. Um, you know, we support, as Chance mentioned, neurodiverse. We, um, we do mums returning to work. We do first in family graduates. Anybody who's got a barrier to employment, mm -hmm. we try and help get into work um, is, is the model. Would you two say um, that the... The, the mood in the, in the in the corporate world has changed with regards to people that have had these prior barriers to entry. Um, like I remember back in in my example that I quoted, which I'm ashamed to be part of, but that example where we we, we said we vetoed that that chap, 
Um, I think that was coming from an era when it was very much, you know, we're not going to deal with that person. Um, it was unspoken. Anybody with a, you know, who'd gone, who'd done time, that wasn't happening. We're gonna, not going to hire him. Too much trouble. <laughs> Move on. Has that now changed, you think, at the corporate level where people are seriously thinking, you know what, we should and we will, rather than, you know, that, that and this, my old position, the sort of my old company's position is now moving towards taboo um, in, in that in that sense. Have we, like, had a cultural shift here? What, what do you reckon, guys? Uh, um, I'll kick off and then I know Chance, will, I'm sure, will um, um, chip in as well. Uh, absolutely. Um, but part of it is just through necessity. Um, so, you know, obviously everybody on this on this call is more than aware of the massive staffing crisis there is, particularly in the UK, and I'm sure we know it pretty well around the, uh, the world as well. So there is a massive staffing shortage, um, and people can't afford not to start saying we've got to look beyond the obvious talent pool. So, um, you know, whether you like it or not, you need to expand your talent pool. Um, and so there's that bit. Um, and then there's no question the other big driver was um, Black Lives Matter. Uh, and the shift towards, um, you know, really pushing down the diversity route. Uh, since then, as you know, there's all the research has proven actually it's a no-brainer to be more diverse, um, and you know the productivity goes up and all the other factors we know. Um, and so organisations are committing for, uh, around DNI, and they're making it a high strategic imperative. Mm -hmm. And then they don't actually know how to do it, <laughs> or struggling to do it. So we're then basically just trying to connect the dots on that front. So. You've kind of got these these two areas um, and the other element as well, a big driver, particularly in some industries like construction or if you're dealing with government work is around social value. Uh, and now um, when you're doing tenders and we talked about tenders with recycling lives, there might be 10 or 20 percenters around social value. Well, you need to be able to actually demonstrate you're going to do it and you also need an activation mechanism. So we find the three of those are really making this happen. So. Whether they like it or not, um, talent acquisition leaders, DNI people uh, are, are going this way. But we're we're pushing an open door. Frankly, everybody wants to do this. Everybody knows it's the right thing to do. Um, they're just struggling to know how to do it. That's Can I right. ask them? Sorry, ahead, can I ask them, what kind of industries do you see or do you mainly kind of partner up with or do you see uh, predominantly or I guess like evangelists of hiring from from the specific talent pool? Like, who do you, um, for us, it's been across the board. We, you know, we have 35 blue chip clients um, after just over a year and they're everything from financial services, retail, um, banking, construction. Mm -hmm. So there hasn't been one particular um, sector. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's been pretty well across the board um huge push around diverse tech talent and that mm -hmm. is everybody's looking for tech talent and ideally wanted diverse um yeah. the big big push around neurodiverse uh mm -hmm. tech talent there's a kind of uh, another one you know you were talking before hung about um shift people get this whole uh neurodiversity no longer being stigma and a problem more of an opportunity uh why are you not actively hiring from the autistic talent pool particularly mm -hmm. now you can work from home um so we're seeing it across the board um, and it's getting stronger. I and mean, the last eight weeks have been our strongest eight weeks since we started. So um, it hasn't seen any slowdown because of, um, you know, the recent economic piece. Chance, did you want to add anything on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of our fantastic and great tech partners, you know, um, I remember giving me a call saying, you know, I'm really excited saying, you know, 
I hired two returning citizens from prison about six months ago. And he said it was the best thing he's ever done. He said that they are doing so well. And he just wanted to tell me, thank you for opening his mind to that, you know, and, um, and they're incredible. And so, you know, it does go back to that thing where actually a lot of these young men out there that have got into trouble, they, this is not the mm -hmm. life they want. It's the, the barriers they face that are preventing them from going down other avenues a lot of the time. You know, so, um, yeah, it's actually changing lives. And it's, you know, and I would always say to recruiters, you know, to stop recruiting and start changing lives. If you if you do that, the interview questions will change. Your attitude mm. to recruiting will change and your heart will lead you towards the untapped talent, those hidden diamonds in the rough. You know, and what we're doing, we're going into the jewelry shop and we're buying those ready made diamonds, ready cut with the ring on them and some of them are cubic stones i.e you know they've just written a fantastic cv but not the real deal you know when you've got these diamonds in the rough just there a little bit harder to mine because you can't see where they are but when you find them they only need a slight polish and they'll yeah. sparkle just like any other diamond <laughs> and we know it's um pressure pressure that makes the diamond and makes it so special and we know that is pressure that makes our system impacted candidates so resilient and I must share this because someone's come from prison conflict. Yes, indeed, that's made them resilient. But all system impacted talent, whether you be a veteran and veterans face similar barriers to returning citizens from prison, whether you're mm. a woman return or whether you're, you know, um, BAME or LGB, you know, any of those things, yeah. the system impactedness that you live through, you build up a level of resilience because you're still here knocking on a door that sometimes you don't believe will ever open, but you're still there and that level of resilience is what we must look for and don't take it from me. You know, Angela Duckworth done a TED talk on resilience and grit and they'd done some tasks. They put them down in front of two groups, one with qualifications, one measured for resilience and grit. And the guys with resilience and grit won hands down on every task, on every metric. So there's something to be had here. You know, and so it's definitely worth actually looking into this and not just keeping it in your mind that, you know, you know, people with prior convictions and this, but your, your veterans too, your, you know, your, your women returners too. Everyone's built up a level of resilience and it's that resilience you want in the workplace um, because a few things comes out of it. Um, when it gets really, really pressurizing for the whole company, these are guys that will stand firm you know, and will encourage the rest of the staff to stand firm, you know. And the other thing is the loyalty. When it's difficult to get yourself into a job and it's really hard, when you do get one, you're not leaving. You will not leave. You're loyal to that person. You don't want to go back into that dark place where it's tough to get back in. So you're loyal. So retention is fantastic. Yeah. Productivity is hard because you've naturally built that up by trying harder at life than many. And so it's your natural thing to just mm -hmm. be trying harder. So that's why productivity goes up because we have replaced our motivation with determination. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Not having <laughs> attrition is a, is a good thing. I think James mentioned this earlier, not knowing the vocabulary attrition, that's like music to my ears. I've never heard that before. <laughs> well, look, listen, folks, the people listening to this need to, need to pay attention because, yeah. you know, before the the, the 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 economic sort of recessionary talk and what have you, one of the biggest conversation we're having in 2022 was this idea of look, we have a 
competition for talent and ret retention is going to be a crisis. That is the case. Mm. Um, so if, if you're thinking that you're going to fix your retention issues by recruiting people, they More are going to also be uh, looking to move on themselves in, um, in, in 12 months or so. Yeah. Have a think about different population groups that simply have a different attitude towards uh, what you might offer mm. and they yeah. may actually stay a lot longer. Uh, folks, I've seen some people share your link, sort of some LinkedIn's into the chat stream and I want us to now do that. Um, because we always do this in every show. Uh, I think I might have missed it last week, so apologies. But I want everyone basically to emerge from a Brain Food Live with essentially a more robust uh, bunch of connections uh, than they did walking into it. Uh, so why don't you take a moment and just stick your LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn URL into the chat stream there in Crowdcast and then just connect with everyone else who has also done the same. If you're watching this on uh, on uh, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, wherever it is, stick your LinkedIn URL in whatever chat or, co or comment section that there is there and do likewise. Make sure you then connect with those people um, because if you do want to learn about this topic, uh, and by the way, Chance and James are people that are very, very open, very, very welcoming. They will accept your request. Um, they will speak to you about this. Um, so go ahead and get some in expert input and advice uh, from these two gents and the other people that they may uh, be able to put you in, in touch with. Yeah, um, I, could I just chip in, if I may, on that? Of course, um, James. Go ahead. So... One of the challenges we, we that happens, we know this, we've seen this over and over again, is uh, we do a lot of talks like this, you know, keynotes, et cetera, et cetera. And people are very, very kind about what we say. And they're like, OK, I love it. I want to do it. This is great. And then they go back into their organization and they walk in back straight into it like a boss mm -hmm. that you had. And they're like, yeah, no, it ain't going to happen or that's too difficult or problems, et cetera. And um, and then it's, it's, it's sort of the motivating is you're really keen to do this and it doesn't happen. Um, and so what what we offer, um, and this is for the UK at the moment, but hopefully we're going to be international. But if, if you're in the UK and you and you think this is interesting uh, and you'd really like to approach doing this, we're very happy to do a free webinar for you and your management team or your TA team, whoever, um, because we know it's really difficult to, to try and persuade some organizations that this makes sense. But also, if we can get in for 45 minutes in front of your management team, the question is not should we do this? The question is, how quickly can we do this? And and what do we do to make sure this is a big success? And what else do we need to put in place to make sure when we bring people in, it's going to work? So please, you, you're going to have both of our uh, LinkedIn um, there. And if that is of interest, it's an open invitation. It's no cost. Uh, and we, we'd love to come and talk. Our big passion is, and we're a social enterprise, is how do we move the needle here? How do we make inclusive recruitment the normal? Um, and, you know, we actually share our profits with the charities who feed the talent to us. Um, so hopefully everybody wins as a result. Mm. I have a well, question. Yeah. Um, sorry, Hung, do you want to go first? I just want to say that's a fantastic yeah. offer, folks. I mean, obviously, if you spend any time listening to James and Chance today, uh, you will know that they are high impact speakers. So uh, if this is a, a topic that you uh, kind of need some help to, sh to, to push internally in, in your business, just get these two on. Um, mm. They'll give you half an hour, one hour worth of chat. And I guarantee you that needle is going to move. Uh, go ahead, G uh, Christine. Uh, yeah. So obviously as an in-house talent person, um, mm. I've got, we'll be intrigued to know it doesn't have to be the whole thing, but more of a process. So you know, earlier you talked about working with technology companies and teams. And, you know, I've, I've been 
into the whole DNI um, space for a long time, and genuinely, this is the first time. You know, DNI for us has always been on female, neurodiversity, age, and whatnot. This is genuinely the first time I've, I've you know, the whole new, a whole new area for me. So, when you think about technical tests, right? Um, we always say, you know, remove the CV from the process. Just look at the tech test. So, I guess in a way that eliminates a lot of that gaps in the CV um, question, the types that you were talking about earlier. But, you know, if you had to give a very high level type process advice, right, if you wanted to engage um, with talent from, from your talent pools, like what is like the ideal process? And, you know, is it lightweight? Uh, therefore, you're removing the bias from the hiring manager's perspective. Like, how do you typically run the run an interview process? So Chance, do you want to? Yeah, I'll be I'll be happy to, happy to answer that. I think I think one of one of the things that we actually first of all must get our minds around we in order for us to shift the needle on social mobility, we must work in a coalition. Mm. You know, so we ask that you know as many of you as possible join us, join us, and and, and we can shift that that needle on social mobility together. Um, you know, one of the um, ways that we can do this, you know, we we will have the like I said unlimited hiring and unlimited job ads and one of the things that we look at and do is how attractive is the job ad you know let's mm -hmm. look at the the language the linguistic of this job ad is you know and you and 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 are you appealing to the right people so if i'm you're you want to appeal to someone who's like myself i'm blessed along with richard branson with dyslexia you know how do you appeal to someone like me you know um someone who's uh, you know um you know, I've got a disability and all sorts of boxes ticked. You know, how do you appeal to me? And I'm more interested in the culture of an organization. So I'd like that to talk to me in a job ad. I'm, I want to go to a good home. So I'm interested in, in that and the company's purpose. You know, the jargon and all the rest of the things for someone with dyslexia, you can scare them off. So you've got to, we, we, we help you to sort of look at these things and we discuss this type of thing, you know. And, and the reason why we have, unlimited hiring and unlimited job posts at no sort of extra cost is simply because we want to get as much people into jobs as possible we want to shift that needle on social mobility so we're not putting any extra barriers in place to prevent that from happening yeah. the sourcing license like i mentioned allows you to go into the database and have a look around the sort of fifty thousand odd or, or 70 or whatever and, and and tap some people on the shoulder yeah. but we have some technology as well as we partner with adway and now this is absolutely fantastic because we can find you niche, diverse candidates. We can find you any sort of type of candidate you want to actually boost your EDNI. Um, and we just help to solve a massive problem for the post office. Um, and I'll hand over to James for him to give you the number of applications that went through after they used what we call the boost of hope. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I suppose that's right at the top end of the. Uh, funnel as it were um we we were already working with about 130 charities and social enterprises but we thought we needed to go and source the talent rather than just have it referred to us mm. so, um adway are fantastic of looking at passive talent um and um which is typically people who are not looking for a job which when you're talking about our groups is even more extreme it's 90 95 percent i mean if you're autistic you have a 15 percent chance of having a job so you're not on job boards you're not looking mm -hmm. Uh, or if you've been in prison, you have a 14% chance of having a job within a year. So we go and find those candidates, maybe on um, ex-offender um, chat rooms. It might be on autistic um, communities, veteran community, whatever it might be. 
and just bring- interrupt real quick, James. Um, I think that's a really important point for the people who are recruiters kind of um, we're listening in on this, is that the people who are, uh, have gone through a system, system impacted, they're actually very, they're less, far less likely to appear in the places that we habitually search. Um, so uh, recruiters, it's LinkedIn, like hyper folks there, or it's on a job board someplace. Guess what? The people who uh, are in the in these situations uh, have written those places off as 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 even viable. There's no point in going there. That's the position. So if you're looking to try and expand the talent pool uh, from people who've gone through the system, you need to do something differently. Um, and using uh, social uh, uh, advertising, going on to social networks, for instance, which is what we do, um, that kind of thing is something that we need to explore if you want to get the top of them and of course you know interacting with bridge type businesses like or organizations shall i say uh like uh, like bridge of hope um okay james go ahead sorry to interrupt. Oh, that, i just wanted to make I that point agree with you more um and so we we did our first boost of hope last week with royal mail and they wanted to get after 55 year uh, 55 plus women women returners um and so the whole program was designed around that it was on facebook and instagram etc and within a week it was 55 um, five and a half thousand women wow. returners went for this, which blew our mind. I mean, not all of them were women returners, but the kind of the look and the feel of the programming and everything was, that's what was most attracted to it. So we'd say, open your mind exactly as you say, along about uh, the sourcing. Uh, and then we'd also say, look, once you've sourced them, you're going to have to have a really good long look at your actual program and process because it's probably designed by a bunch of compliance people and the lawyers with a design designed to keep the bastards out, excuse my friends, <laughs> rather than let them in. <laughs> Um, so, you know, have a look at your algorithm. Does it, you know, does it spit people out who've got an 18 month gap in their CV? Well, if it does, should it do that? Then thinking about your interview process, you know, you're going to have to rethink all of it, but it's, it's manageable, um, and it's doable and do it in bite-sized pieces. Um, but the premise is just start with the, okay, if you start with the, if I was neurodiverse or if I'd come back from a challenge, uh, you know, such as prison or homelessness, would that job description be attractive? Is our interview process fair and reasonable? Um, you know, and chunk it out would be our, our suggestion. But we're, we're not the experts in that field. We're just trying to connect the dots mm-hmm. between inclusive employers and, and untapped talent pools. Got it. Yeah, you know, I don't think anybody is an expert per se in this mm-hmm. because there's different populations, different job families as well, which require different ways to assess and, and what have you. I think I, met, I saw someone mention in, in, in the chat earlier about open hiring, this idea that you, you take the Timpsons view. It's like you guarantee the job um, and, and, you know, it's like, OK, you got the job, but you, you got to show up uh, if you don't show up great i assume you don't want the job um so, so you, you have a, a pre, you preempt uh the, the job offer you say right it's yours if you want it so you're know, going to an open hiring um, uh, approach maybe a, a solution I, know, I remember body shop trying to do that earlier uh, was it in 2022 quite famously here um so that approach i think can be effective if you wanted if you want to uh, uh you know make a serious uh, uh dent in in this space uh, but I'd be interested in anybody watching this or listening to this, whether you have got any experience or thoughts as to how you would design the assessment flow um, for people who have been system impacted. Is it exactly the same process or do you moderate the process or do you need to completely redesign it? Uh, maybe even get rid of process like the open hiring in order to make uh, this happen. Because we can also understand that someone who has been through, let's say, the uh, using your wonderful sort of uh, terminology chance, uh, gone through, if you, if you like, the antisocial uh, 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 culture, they will have 
to change their behavior in many respects to succeed through a traditional assessment process. Um, so that assessment process will need redesigning if you want to, if you want to, you know, uh, really uh, 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 give people a fair shot. So I'd be interested to know whether anybody's actually done this. I, I don't think it has. I think it's, it's very, very new. Um, yes, Michael, I think you're right. Body shop. Uh, I, I think for certain roles, uh, not for everyone role, but I think for a lot of them, it is open hiring, which is here's the job, turn up, you got it. Um, which you know, it's, it's kind of like throwing out recruitment to a large degree yeah. um, and then kind of saying, you know what, we'll figure out who's good when, they, when they're doing the job. So, uh, yeah, very interesting. A couple of key points that's worth bearing in mind from, because uh, we're running out of time here, but it's worth kind of putting things into a practical setting. Um, uh, what are the few things that recruiters can do to open the aperture a little bit more for people who are system impacted? Um, is there any basic stuff um, that they could do to, to kind of, move their organization to a position where they're more likely to hire someone who's com coming from, uh, you know, think, uh, that pathway. I think, I think the first thing that you need to do is invite us in, you know, you've got a story of two guys, one from the bottom 1%, one from the top 1% coming together to actually make something happen from a real point of empathy, you know? And so, you know, like James is right. It's not easy for you to go back to your team and say, look, I've heard this thing and it's fantastic. Just invite us in. Let us talk to your whole team, you know, and we will have that discussion because it's important to win the hearts and the minds for this movement to have a clear path forward. And so any of you that, that want to go back, you go back with us and that will be your first move um, because you, don't, you will we'll tell our stories and we'll speak to the people and we'll talk about various things that really matter, like your unconscious biases. We all have them. I have them. Um, and But we mustn't feel guilty for them because they come from our childhood experiences, our learning history, TV, media, you know, and TV and media um, around that time when you refused that guy was really strong about, you know, people in prison and all this type of thing, you know. Um, but I can tell you that, you know, we just need to revive ourselves on it. And I'll give you a quick um, um, story and anecdotes with a friend and we were walking. There was about seven African guys talking all at the same time very loud it's the culture um, and he said how could they understand each other you know it's just loud and noise and I said is that what you see I said because I see something quite genius I said now if you see the exact same thing in the stock market in the trading pits <laughs> what would you say then because they're doing the exact same thing talking all at the same time they're even throwing up gang signs some of them you know and but everyone understands the communication it's a real quality and do we miss a quality with those unconscious biases? Are we missing more and more qualities in people because of those? And so it's about actually reviewing ourselves, not feeling, feeling guilty about it, but reviewing ourselves and saying, actually, um, there might be something here. Look for the diamond in the rough once again in those situations. We can help with that. So we'll come and we'll talk to your teams and, and we'll have discussions and we'll, we'll provide really great options. You know, if you're looking for women returners, we'll look for those. If you're looking for returning citizens from prison, we'll find those. We have them. The reason why we've had a flood of um, nearly, nearly 80,000 candidates come to Bridge of Hope at this point is because, yes, indeed, they have given up on your LinkedIn and your monsters and all this stuff because they've had mm. so much knockbacks there. Mm. And, you know, for us to grow this fast in such a short space of time is a sign of those times. Yeah, there's, there's, we talk about talent shortage, folks, but the people mm. are there. Um, we've just got a, we've just got we've just got the wrong sieve. 
we, we have a filter. You know what I mean? I'm just, it's like you got, you're fishing, you, you're fishing in, in the river and we've got the wrong net. That's basically we're not looking in the right places, really. Yeah. It's I'm fishing exactly in the right we're, And we're not, we're not paying attention. So we have to just examine sort of the tools that we have and, and the locations that we're, we're, we're standing in in order to solve some of these problems. Um, so, folks, listen, um, uh, I, I think there's too much more to say. You just got to make sure you connect with James and, and Chance. Um, Bridge of Hope, that organization, why don't you share the link into the chat stream there, James, um, so that people can, can, can grab hold of that um and, and just get in touch i think it's super important uh i, I don't think this is a charity is issue by the way per se i think this is simply a case is a, there is a valid business reason um to hire the talent that you need and we need to explore all avenues all avenues you can't just say here's the template and here's the people we're looking to hire um it was really good story from EasyJet. i don't know what you saw earlier this week um where they went through a an empty nester recruiting drive uh, for cabin crew because they can't hire cabin crew. Everyone's been in a flight this year or in the last nine months or so. The reason why it's a nightmare, is airlines can't crew. Um, so they've retargeted away to people you wouldn't expect, and they call it empty nester. In other words, basically people who are parents that have spent their time looking after kids, and the kids have grown up and they've left the nest, and now... <laughs> Maybe they're interested in something else. And yes, yeah. they've got like uh, they've, they've, they've recruited the people they need to, to crew their aircraft. So it's about being creative. So understanding people's life experiences, understanding where the availability is, um, and then doing something about it. Um, so uh, listen, James, uh, fellows, uh, and Chancellor Montgomery, I just want to thank you so much for joining us uh, for the show. It's been wonderful Great. having you on. Um, I, I really do hope we'll get the chance to, to catch up again soon. I know we met uh, uh, sort of uh, earlier this year, yeah. but there'll be other events. I'm um, actually this this uh, Sunday. Actually, I'm going to send the newsletter out, and it's going to be a call to put your events for 2023 on. Um, so for people who are running events or attending events or sponsoring events, stick your event onto that spreadsheet. Uh, and in a week or so's time, we'll have basically a very comprehensive document, I think, which will show us all of the places where people need to go. And that hopefully will give us an excuse to connect in, in person there as well. All right, folks. James, great to see you. Chance, great thank to you see so you. Much. you. Have a thank very good weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you, guys. And folks, that's about just a good chance off there rather rudely. I do apologize, Chance. I was mid-press um folks i hope you've enjoyed that um a really uh, important one and i think uh, I, 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 these two fellas have got a really important message to, uh, to send um yeah. go and check them out i do encourage it um uh, we'll be back uh, next week we've got founders focus we're going to be speaking to david ravel ceo co-founder of path motion uh, that's happening on wednesday we'll also be back on uh, brain food live on friday uh what are we talking about oh a good one the psychology of redundancy um what a recruiter has to know so in other words recruiters if you've been made laid off or you feel under threat in some way or you feel job insecure we've got a bunch of people that are coming from a psychology background that are going to help talk us through what you're feeling and in fact um how to recognize those feelings and, and then how to take it further forward from there um because sometimes we i don't think we're looking at the mental health aspect at all mm. of redundancy um and you know the, the sense of mourning the the loss of relationships the the need to move on quickly you know overly quickly sometimes with zero closure all those things we need to talk about them so uh make sure you sign up to the show for next week uh we'll be uh, doing that one um okay that's about it um see you next week see ya <sighs>
What that an episode. Good, that was great. If that was my last brain food of the year, that's definitely one to remember. Yeah, it was really good. Well, it is that your last epic. one, isn't it? Um, I think it is, yeah. I've only got localized, I think, in two weeks. And then that's it. I'm wrapped up. <laughs> yeah, and then you're away till when exactly? You're coming back next uh, year? Jan yeah? the 2nd, so yeah, mm. fully. And then it's Chinese New Year next year, so we're going to get, like, Chinese food with Michael. Yeah, we- Blakely. We're missing that. Actually, yeah, Blakely, man. We need to. Yeah. Need, He's he a, yeah, some Chongqing hot pot or something. So, uh, <laughs> no, man. Khaki and King's Cross. Let's just get it in the dark. Let's get it for Chinese New Year early, Jan. Let's get like the Chinese enthusiasts. Yeah, Michael, you're responsible for that, mate. Send us an invite. <laughs> <laughs> if you can hear us there. <laughs> uh, All right. Um, I'll All see right. you. Have a good well, weekend, okay? Yeah, you too. Good luck with the England USA game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care either way. I'm not English or American. Um, yeah, however, yeah. I will look forward to it um, and enjoy the World Cup, everybody. Right. So uh, we'll we'll catch you later. Have a nice weekend, everybody. Take care. Bye.